الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على عبد الله ورسوله نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين We're going to be doing another hadith today and this is going to be our last hadith class before we move on to a different topic because we don't stay in our class on one topic for too long we do every few classes and then we change to a different topic so today inshallah will be our last topic about hadith i'm just going to move this microphone slightly because i'm i do think that maybe the girls can't hear me so well let's try that that might be better so we have our last hadith today for for the time being and this hadith is a bit of a long hadith but it's very very important this hadith was narrated by a companion his name was an nu'man ibn bashir and what's amazing about an nu'man is that when the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam was alive he was only a small boy he was a young a young boy He wasn't, uh, he was from the young Sahaba, radiallahu anhum. So the first lesson I want you to take from this hadith is that even when you are very young, you can do a lot to benefit Islam. And Nu'man ibn Bashir was not an old companion, he was one of the young companions. And he narrated a hadith, it's one of the most important hadith in Islam. He narrated... And Nu'man ibn Bashir, he was a Sahabi and his dad was a Sahabi as well. He was a companion and his dad was also a companion. His dad was also a companion. He narrated that he heard the Prophet wasallam say. He heard the Prophet wasallam say the following words. Inna al-halala bayyinun so we're going to take the hadith little bit by little bit, okay? You guys with me? A little bit by a little bit. The halal is clear. And the haram is clear. So let me start with a really simple question. What is halal and what does haram mean? What does halal mean and what does haram mean? Now, there's a lot of ways you can answer this question, so we're going to hear from different people. I'm really sorry to the girls. I really have to apologize today for the girls who came. Again, we could not manage to get your questions coming or your answers coming into my ear live. So we have to ask the girls to ask among themselves, what do, what do they think? And then you see if you got the answer right when we hear some of the boys. Let's have a listen. Let's see. We'll start from here. Yes, Okay. Yeah, you, so you mentioned Allah's name, okay. Okay, very good. So you mentioned an answer I think lots of people will be thinking about. And that is halal meat. Yeah? So you, for example, you have halal meat and you have haram meat, right? So halal meat is first of all the animal has to be an animal that Muslims are allowed to eat. So what, what animals are we allowed to eat? Just quickly. Chicken. chicken. Okay, everybody likes chicken. 
Okay, sheep and the family of the sheep, like sheep and goats and lamb and all that type of stuff. The cow and the family of the cow, like the buffalo and the cow and the, these kind of similar things. And what's the fourth one that we didn't mention? Turkey. Turkey comes with chicken. Chicken and the similar things like that. Yes, Mubin, what are you thinking? That comes with the cow. Duck comes with the, the, the comes with the fowl and the birds. I want something completely different. Huh? Yeah. Good fish, but fish. I was thinking about meat. You're right about fish, but fish is a different topic. Seafood is a different topic, but you're right about seafood. I was thinking about one complete type of animal you didn't mention until now. Camel. So we had the domesticated animals, which we had the, the chicken and similar. We had the sheep and similar. We had the cow and similar. And we had the camel. And then there are lots of other things, like we said, fish and seafood and a lot of other things you mentioned. Okay. That's the first thing. The second thing for it to be halal is what? Don't play with the bottle. What's the second thing to make it halal? Is that it ha the animal has to be the right type of animal and you have to do what? I don't think you, whether you face towards Makkah or not, it's not important, but that you mention Allah's name over it. Yani. So you say Bismillah when the animal is killed. Okay. Do you have to do that for fish? No. Yeah? So you fish die as soon as you fish them. Very good. Okay. So this is one way of looking at it. You talk to me about halal meat. Haram meat could be that the animal is not allowed to eat. Like for example, pig and other animals that are not allowed to eat. Or it could be the animal is allowed to eat but it wasn't slaughtered in a way that is halal, right? So for example, it could be chicken, but the chicken, they, they didn't say bismillah when they, when they didn't strangle it. They cut it. We don't strangle them. If it's strangled, it's not halal. Okay guys, stop there. You guys so far, we asked halal is clear, haram is clear. And you gave me the answer of halal meat. I want a different answer. What is halal and what is haram? What is halal, what is haram? I'm so bad with names. I'm really bad with names. But I'm going to guess. Abdus Abdusalam? Abdusalam. Okay. So, Allah made Very good. So, you gave me another answer to another question, which is who makes things halal and who makes things haram? And the answer is exactly as you said Allah is the one who makes things halal or haram. The right to make things halal and haram, that is for Allah alone. We don't have the right to make something halal or make something haram. That is only Allah who has the right to make things halal and haram. But we still didn't answer the question, what is halal? So far, Abdurrahman, Abdurrahman, Abdurrahman gave me, I have two names right today, I'm on a roll today, alhamdulillah. Uh, so that's, he said halal meat. He said halal meat. Which is one correct answer, but it's not the whole story. Abdurrahman to, uh, Abdusalam told us, Alhamdulillah, Abdusalam told us that Allah is the one who makes things halal and haram. 
Who's going to finish the story for me? Yes, Habibi. Okay, good. So you're getting close to it. Give me, give me a little bit of an answer. What's haram then? It's something that is not allowed to do. Very good. Allah didn't allow us to do it. That's excellent answer. So the haram is something that Allah didn't allow us to do. He said it's not allowed for us to do. Good so far? You're all with me. The haram is something Allah did not allow us to do it. Allah didn't allow us to do it. Okay. Then what is the halal then? Go on. Yeah, yeah, go on. Okay, if you said eat, you're getting there. Close, very close. Yes, Noah. Very good. So the halal is something that Allah said we're allowed to do, to eat, to whatever, whatever it is, not just eating. Halal is something that Allah said we are allowed. And haram is something that Allah said we are not, we are not allowed. Okay. Why is anything haram? That's a hard question. Anything that Allah made haram, why is it haram? I don't want a specific answer. I don't want to know why is pork haram or why is alcohol haram. Anything that's haram, why is it haram? The girls have got so many good answers and we can't even hear them. Subhanallah. Qaddar Allahu wa ma sha fa'al. Let's have, yes. Good. Can you make a general rule then? If alcohol is haram because it's harmful to you, why is anything haram? Good, I really like that answer. Allah made you a certain way, right? And Allah knows how you are. And Allah knows what's good for you. And Allah knows what is bad for you. So Allah didn't make something haram unless it was bad for you. You with me? Allah didn't make something haram unless that haram thing is bad for you. Okay? There's nothing in this world that Allah made haram unless that thing is somehow bad for you. Somehow bad for you. It's okay, Habibi. Leave it because you're playing with it in the class. Good boy. So, you guys with me? Everything that Allah made haram, He made it haram because it's not good for you. Okay, my next question is, do you always know why something is bad for you? Who thinks you do? Put your hand up. Yusuf, put your hand up if you think. Do you always know why something is bad for you? Or sometimes you don't know? Let's see. What do you guys think? Put your hand up if you think that there's sometimes you don't know when something is bad for you or why something is bad for you. It's true. Allah said, وَعَسَاءً تَكْرَهُ شَيْئًا 
وَيَجْعَلَ اللَّهُ فِيهِ خَيْرًا كَثِيرًا Sometimes you hate something and Allah puts a lot of good in it. So, how then, if, if something is haram, you might not know why it's haram. What does that tell us then? You have to trust Allah. That if Allah said it's haram, it has to be bad for you. Because Allah said, يُرِيدُ اللَّهُ بِكُمُ الْيُسْرُ وَلَا يُرِيدُ بِكُمُ الْعُسْرُ Allah wants to make things easy for you. Allah doesn't want to make things difficult for you. So anything Allah made haram for you, He made it haram for you because there's something bad in it for you. Whether you know what it is or whether you don't know what it is. Some people, they make a mistake. What they do is, they only keep away from something if they understand why it's haram. For example, someone says, look, I know that pork is bad for you, so I'm not going to eat it. Then another person comes and says, I don't see why it's bad, so why should I not eat it? We say, if Allah made something haram, you can know for sure it's bad for you. Did that make sense, what I said? So you never have to think about or worry about why. You just have to worry, is it haram or not? So the question is not, why is it haram? The question is, is it haram or not? In other words, anything I tell you about, anything in the whole world you can think about, your question is, is it allowed or not allowed? That's the answer. So how are you going to find out whether something is haram or not? Because the Prophet ﷺ said, إِنَّ الْحَلَالَ بَيِّنٌ وَإِنَّ الْحَرَامَ بَيِّنٌ The halal is really clear, easy to know. And the haram is really clear. So if they're really clear, how can we know if something is allowed or not allowed? How do we know whether something is halal or whether something is haram? Who have I not heard anything from today? I haven't heard anything from Zach. How do I know if something's haram? No, you're going to tell, you're right, but I'm going to make it harder. Let's just say, for example, you came to me and said, Muhammad Tim, am I allowed to wear socks? So how can I find out if it's halal or haram? You give me a good answer. What was your first answer? You're going to look at what Allah said. And where do I find what Allah said? In the Quran. I find what Allah said in the Quran. So one thing is the Quran. Okay, what else do I have apart from the Quran? I want, okay. Ask the Imam, that's true. But the Imam's not allowed to give his own opinion, right? So if you ask me, are you allowed to drink orange juice? I'm not allowed to say, well, you know what it is? I think I'm not allowed. I have to give you the answer either from Quran or either from the hadith, the sunnah. So either what Allah said or either what the Prophet said. I have to give you an answer from that. I can't give you an answer of I think and I feel. I have to give you an answer from what Allah said and what the Prophet said. But that leads me to another question. There are some things that are new. They're new things, right? Like they didn't exist in the time of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So they're not mentioned in the Quran and they're not mentioned in the Sunnah. Yeah? I give you a simple example. For example, let's just say, 
let's just talk about, for example, smoking cigarettes, people who smoke cigarettes, right? They didn't have cigarettes in the time of the Prophet So how do we know if that is halal or haram? That's a very good answer. If you had waited for me to put, you point at you, I would have taken your answer. I want to go behind. Yes, Habibi. Um, uh, uh, yeah, I'm not very good answer. I, I love that answer. Allah said in the Quran, anything that harms you is haram. Very good. Allah said, وَلَا تُلْقُوا بِأَيْدِيكُمْ إِلَى don't make your own hand the reason for you to die. Don't cause your death from your own hand. Okay, very good. And the Prophet said, There is no harm. You can't cause harm to yourself. You can't cause harm to other people. Very good. So what is this now? This is from the Quran. The Quran doesn't have to mention the word by name. The Quran doesn't have to say orange juice is halal. Cigarettes are haram. It doesn't have to mention it like that. But it, ha it gives us principles, right? It gives us ideas. And from those we can take rules. So we can take a rule that That all the, all the good things are halal for you. All the good things are halal for you. And Allah made haram for you everything which is khabith, everything which is dirty and and horrible. So there's things that are, it doesn't have to be mentioned by name in the Quran for it to be haram. But we have to have a proof. So, like you said, Allah told us in the Quran that if it causes you harm to your health and it causes you to die, you're not allowed to do it. So, that is from the Quran, but it doesn't mention the name of it. It doesn't have to mention the name. But it, something has to be mentioned in the Quran or in the Sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. We can't make the halal and haram from our own selves. Okay. This hadith, it tells us that the halal is clear. It's easy to understand. The religion of Islam is easy. It's really simple to know the things you're allowed to do and the things that you're not allowed to do. The things you're allowed to do and not allowed to do, they're very simple to know in Islam. But this hadith continues. The halal is really clear. And the haram is really clear. But in between the halal and the haram, there are some things that are not so clear. They're a bit confusing. That's a good word for mutashabihat. You can't quite, it's a bit confusing. You can't quite tell, is it halal or is it haram? Most of the people don't know whether they're halal or haram. So these are some things in the middle. Are they lots of things? No, not lots of things. But there are some things in the middle that you don't know if it's haram or not. And most of the people don't know the answer. Did the Prophet say everyone doesn't know the answer? No. no, there are people who know the answer, but he said most people don't know the answer. Or many people, kathirun min nas Many, many people, they don't know whether it's allowed or not. So now I've got a big question for you. What do we do with those things 
the things we don't know whether they are allowed or not allowed. Yes, Habib. Very good. So this is the first answer we got. That if you're not sure about something, the first thing you do is leave it. That's the first thing you can do. And the best thing you can do. If you're not sure about something, leave it. Why should you leave something you're not sure about? On somebody different. Yes, Habib. Yeah. Very good, that's an excellent answer If you do something or eat something And you don't know if it's haram or not What if it turns out to be haram? There's a good, you know, eventually what's going to happen? Eventually you're going to end up doing haram, right? Because you are, maybe the first time you get away with it Maybe the second time you get away with it But eventually you're going to end up falling into the haram What else can you do apart from just leaving something? What's the next step? Straight away, I'm going to leave something Leave what you doubt for that which you don't doubt But after that, what can I do to help me later on in the future? What could I do? Yes, sir. Good, I like that, I like that answer You could ask someone who has knowledge about it Because the Prophet ﷺ didn't tell us that nobody knows whether it's halal or not Or haram or not he said many people don't know So that means there are some people who do know So you first of all leave it because you don't want to get involved And then later, all, later on you can go and you can ask somebody And see if they know the answer to it And if they know the answer you can learn from them And if they don't know the answer then you keep away from it Does that make sense? Good Let's continue with the hadith فَمَنِ اتَّقَ الشُّبُهَاتِ اسْتَبْرَأَ لِدِينِهِ وَعِرْدِهِ The person who keeps away from these confusing things, they're going to be protected in their religion and their honour. Those are two difficult words. I want some of the older kids who know to tell me what these two words mean. Your religion and your honour. Those of you who speak, you can do it in Arabic if you want. الدين والعرض What do these two mean? Your religion and your honor, what does that mean? Mm. Got four people. We got five people. Let's see, someone I haven't heard from for a while, right at the back. Okay, so if you said for honor, your respect, that's very good. Honor, that's good. Your respect. Your ird, your, res your respect. What does respect mean? The other way around. You're, you're right about that. The other way around. So let's see if we can... You did really, really well. So we got as far as saying honor is respect. What, it, what does it mean to say that I want to keep my respect? I'm not talking about me respecting other people. What am I talking about? That's your deen. Abdusama, you spoke out, again without me pointing your, finger, your hand. That's your deen. Your deen is what Allah thinks of you. The relationship between you and Allah. What's your, what's your honor then? Your respect, what's that? If your deen is you and Allah, then what's the other one? What do you think? Yeah, I think respect has been, it 
Good. So that's a very good answer for religion. Your religion, you're honored to be in, in, in Islam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you feel good about it. That's your religion. So I'm going to give you the answer to this one. One last one. Go on. Very good, that's the word I wanted, that was what I was looking for You lose your honor in front of other people So a deen is what is between you and Allah In other words, if you can keep away from things that are confusing You're going to be safe between you and Allah And also, you're not going to do something that will make you go down in the eyes of people, right? Like you're not going to do something that, that will make you a bad person Either in terms of Allah or either in terms of people Does that make sense now? So you don't want to do something For example, if you keep on doing things That you don't know whether they're haram or halal Eventually what are people going to think of you? People are going to think you're a bad person Right? You're going to have a bad reputation Does that make sense? You're going to have a bad reputation And that's not even important What's important is even in your religion you're going to lose out, you're going to get sin So you're going to lose out with Allah And you're going to lose out with what people think of you But if you keep away from the things that you're not sure about Then you're going to save your religion You're going to be a person who's, got, who's good between you and Allah And Allah is going to give you rewards And also you're going to be a person who other people think good of them as well And people see you to be a good person Because they know that you keep away from you keep away from those things that are haram Even if you're not sure about them You still keep away from them And whoever goes into these things They're not sure about That person has gone into the haram How is that? The Prophet gave an example He said He gave an example He said he said, it's like a shepherd. So listen to this example because the Prophet gives very beautiful examples. It's like a shepherd. You all know who a shepherd is, right? Was well, so a shepherd's the, shepherd's the person who looks after sheep. You know all the prophets were shepherds? You know that? Yeah, all the prophets were shepherds. Because they had to learn how to take care of people who get lost. That was their job, right? When the people get lost, they bring them back to the right path. And that's what the job of the shepherd is. Look after the sheep, every time one sheep goes away and gets lost, they bring him back into the right place. Like a shepherd, and this shepherd has sheep. And he keeps on putting his sheep on the boundary of someone else's land. What's going to happen? This example of a shepherd, right? He keeps his sheep, for example, let's say this dark color carpet belongs to me and this light color carpet belongs to you. Right, And what you do is You've got some sheep And you keep them right on the line Between the dark carpet and the white carpet The light carpet What's going to happen? Where's it going to go? It's going to go across It's going to cross the line, right? If you keep the, if that shepherd keeps his sheep right on the edge of the land, eventually one of those sheep is going to cross over into it. 
Does that make sense? So the same is like you when you, if you keep doing things, you're not sure if they're halal or haram. It's like you're standing on the edge, on the boundary. One day or another, you're going to fall into it. One day you're going to fall into it. أَلَا وَإِنَّ لِكُلِّ مَلَكٍ حِمَا أَلَا وَإِنَّ حِمَا اللَّهِ مَحَارِمُهُ Every single king has private space. Agreed? You ever meet a king that doesn't have a palace or doesn't have a castle or doesn't have... Every king has private land. Private, keep out. Don't, don't trespass. Don't come onto my space. And Allah has kept the things that are haram. You're not allowed to go there. Allah has kept it private. Yeah, so you're not allowed to do the things that Allah made haram. It's like as if you went to someone's land and the land, it says a sign on it and the sign says what? Private, keep out, no trespasses. Yeah? So if you guys were out playing and you came up to a land and the land had a big sign and the sign said private, keep out, no trespasses by order of the king. By order of the king. So what would you do? Go on, what would you do? You would stay away from it. And you'd be scared if you're standing on the edge. If you're standing on the edge, you're going to be scared. Like what if it said minefield, explosives, dangerous. You're not going to stand near the edge because maybe one day you're going to put your foot inside. Bang. Something bad is going to happen. And that's the example of what Allah made haram. So when you get near to something that Allah made haram, you have to keep away from it. So one of the things we learn from this hadith is, you can't keep away from the haram unless you keep away from things that lead to it. So it's not just about keeping away from haram. It's also keeping away from the things which lead you into haram. Can someone give me an example of that? A good example. Something that's haram and something that leads you to it. It's not haram itself, but it, it, it takes you there. Ooh, we've got some good examples. Go on, what's your example? Um, if, if you go inside the um, king's um, land, yeah. It, it might have some soldiers in it who shoot you dead. So it's very important to keep out of the places you're not supposed to go into, right? That's an example. It's, not, it's, it's given as an example for you to understand that if you go into something Allah made haram, maybe Allah will make something bad happen. So that could happen, right? Now I wanted to know something. I want an example of something which leads to haram. It's not haram in itself. But it will take you to something which is haram. Okay. This is a tough one, so I'm being really impressed. If you give me a good answer for this one, I'm going to be so impressed. Have you got an answer? Because I haven't heard from you yet. If you... No problem. Habibi, yes, you had an answer, yes. Um, uh, sometimes like, it might not be you, but like, sometimes if you have a really bad friend, they might pursue you. Very good. I like that example. If you have some friend who's not good, that friend themselves might be you know, Muslim person and you know, like they might 
not do anything wrong to you, but you see that they're taking you towards the things which are haram. So you can't just say, I'm going to stay with that friend, and inshallah, I'm not going to do it. Every time they say to me, come on, let's do something wrong, I'm just going to say no. Because like the sheep, today you can say no, but tomorrow you're going to step onto that land. You're going to step onto that no trespasses, private, keep out. You're going to step there. Even if you're safe one day, you won't be safe the next day. Does that make sense? If you had like a bad friend and they didn't do anything wrong to you. But tomorrow they tell you to do something wrong, you say no. The next day they tell you to do something wrong, you say no. The next day they tell you to do something wrong, you say no, maybe no. The next day they tell you to do so. Eventually you're going to do it. So you have to keep away from the things that lead you to the haram, not just the things that are haram themselves, even the things which lead you to the haram. So for example, I give an example. We said that the haram is like the private land. Did we? We said that, right? Yeah. We said it's like private land. It has a sign that says, keep out, no trespasses. If you go on this land, you might be punished by order of the king. Yeah, it's like that. What about if there was a path that went to that land? And that path, it was just a path. And that path, the only place that path goes is that land. The problem is, if you start walking down the path, where are you going to end up? You're going to end up on that land, right? So you have to avoid the path as well. You have to avoid the things which lead you to the haram. I hope that made that example made sense. Okay. Before we finish the hadith, did anyone have any questions about this part? Because we're going to finish the hadith with something different. Yes, Habib. That's very true. You know the thing about shaitan, I'm going to tell you something about shaitan. Shaitan, he only has one power over you. Do you know what that power is? Now he doesn't make you do bad things. Did shaitan ever pull you by your ear and drag you along the carpet? Never. huh? Good. What did shaitan do? What's his one power? Mm, go on. Yes, Harry. Yeah. Make you So for example If there was a haram food Did shaitan pick it up and put it in your mouth? He can't do it So what did he do? Let's see who's got an answer Which I haven't heard from Yes Habibi Yeah you in the front with the Sorry I'm not good with names Yes No shaitan doesn't ever set you on fire It's a good try though Mubin. He whispers, that's all he does. وَقَالَ الشَّيْطَانُ لَمَّا قُضِيَ الْأَمْرِ إِنَّ اللَّهَ وَعَدَكُمْ وَعَدَ الْحَقِّ وَوَعَدْتُكُمْ فَأَخْلَفْتُكُمْ وَمَا كَانَ لِي عَلَيْكُمْ مِنْ سُلْطَانِ إِلَّا أَنْ دَعَوْتُكُمْ فَاسْتَجَبْتُمْ لِي فَلَا تَلُومُونِ وَلُومُوا أَنفُسَكُمْ مَا أَنَا بِمُصْرِخِكُمْ وَمَا أَنْتُمْ بِمُصْرِخِي Allah said that the shaitan will say when everything is done, Allah made you a promise and Allah's promise was true. And I made you a promise and I broke my promise. And I didn't have any power over you. But I invited you and you answered me. So shaitan doesn't pull you by the ear and make you do haram. But the shaitan says, just do this haram, it'll be really good. Just do it one time. Nobody will ever know. He whispers to you. Yeah? 
And he whispers to you about what? About something which you quite think might be quite good He knows how you are He knows what you like And he knows what you don't like So he looks at you And he looks at what you might like And what you might not like And he whispers to you And he tries to convince you But whose choice is it? It's our choice, right? If you listen to him Or you don't listen to him It's your choice That's why on the day of judgment The shaitan is going to say It's not my fault it is his fault, but he's going to say it's not my fault. He's going to say, I, all I did is I just invited you. You answered. All I did is I whispered, you listened to me. I didn't force you to do anything. I whispered and you listened. So it's really important we don't listen to the shaitan when he whispers. Sometimes we will listen, sometimes we make that mistake. Everybody does, everybody. But whenever we do... We try to make up for it and we ask Allah to forgive us. I want to finish the hadith, but quickly I'll hear your quick questions. I'm going to start with you, yes. Uh, this is very important. Where does the shaitan whisper? Does he whisper in your ear? He whispers into your heart, into your chest. He doesn't whisper into your ear, that's why you can't hear him. You can't hear him. Do you understand? He doesn't whisper in your ear, he whispers in your heart. So you feel him, but you don't hear him. Does that, does that make sense? You feel him. Like you feel like, oh, I really want to do that thing that's haram, and it's going to be really good, and I promise I'm not going to do it again, I'll just do it one time. He's whispering in your heart, not in your ear. Good. Yes, Mubin. Yeah, shaitan will keep getting you hooked on something and to do more and more or to do worse and worse. And he, sometimes shaitan doesn't start with the worst thing. You know shaitan, sometimes shaitan, listen, shaitan doesn't start with the worst thing. He starts with something that's a little bit bad and then you, get, you like it and then a little bit more and then a little bit more and then a little bit more and then a little bit more. So he takes you down that path. You know, further and further. He starts off with something easy. Yes, Abd Salam. You're only allowed one. No, it's okay, go on, you can have two. Shaitan wants to tell you, it's, he's saying to you that I didn't take your hand and force you to do that thing. But I whispered, yeah, it's in Surah Ibrahim. It's mentioned in Surah Ibrahim. Yes, Habi, I want to know your name because I didn't learn your name until now. Ammar. Okay, Ammar. Okay, so what if somebody does something and they don't really know what they're doing? So are they to blame for that? They're not to blame, but we have to be careful here. There's three, there's three answers to your question. The first is somebody who doesn't know what they're doing. Like, let's say, for example, they, are, they're not like, they don't understand what they're doing. Yeah? Like because they're, maybe they're, they're not well, they've got a sickness. Or maybe they're very young. Or maybe they're very old. And they don't know what they're, fully what they're doing. They can't understand what they're doing. 
So those people are not to blame if they do something wrong, but we still have to stop them. So for example, if we know that somebody is not very well and they get whispering about, like, for example, hurting somebody, we're not allowed to let them hurt that person, right? They're not to blame, but we're not allowed to let them do it. We have to stop them from doing it, even though they're not to blame because they don't really understand what they're doing. But we still have to stop them from doing that thing that they're doing. So there's a difference between stopping them and there's a difference between whether they're blame to blame. Also, some people might not be very well, but they still understand what they're doing. Like not everybody, because, for example, some people are not very well, like they've got a sickness or an illness. And they kind of a little bit don't understand, but they understand some of it. So those people could still be, they could still get sin for what they did if they understood what they were doing. So, for example, even like some people are not well, but they, they, they do things they shouldn't, but they understand kind of what they're doing. So those people are still to blame. Okay, stop for two minutes. We'll finish the hadith, then we we'll take questions, then we finish, inshallah. Okay, the end of the hadith. أَلَا وَإِنَّ فِي الْجَسَدِ مُضْغَةِ إِذَا صَلَحَتْ صَلَحَ الْجَسَدُ كُلُّهُ وَإِذَا فَسَدَتْ فَسَدَ الْجَسَدُ كُلُّهُ أَلَا وَهِيَ الْقَلْبِ In the body, there is a piece of flesh. There's a piece of you in your body. If it is good, your whole body will be good. And if it's bad, your whole body will be bad. And it's your heart. Okay. What do we learn from this part of the hadith? There's something in your body, there's a mudra, there's a, a lump in your body. If it is either salahat, if it's salih, if it's good and righteous, if it's a good thing, your whole body will be good. And if it's bad, your whole body will be bad and it's your heart. So let's see, we've got, I haven't heard... I'm going to go right at the back and I'm terrible. Tell me your name one more time. Sam. Sam, I can always, I don't know why I can't remember your name. It's so easy. Go on. So t tell me about how it relates to your heart, right? So in your body, you have your heart. If your heart is good, your whole body will be good. And if your heart is bad, your whole body will be, will be bad. So what does that tell us about our heart? What's that? Why does that tell us? Why is this that? Or what can we learn from that? I'll give you one thing. That the things you do with your heart are the most important things. For example, loving Allah, fearing Allah, hoping in Allah. Those things you do, your trust in Allah, the things you do with your heart are very, very important. That's one thing you can take from it. What else can you learn from this part of the hadith? Um, that even if you like, pray five times a day and, you're, and outside of, of all of that, you're very mean and, um, and you treat people very bad um, and those kind of stuff, uh, then that can also add to your heart and what will happen to you on the day of judgment. Very true. So you could, that, that a person could be praying five times a day, but they might have things in their heart that are, that are bad. For example, they might be not nice to other people and so on, or they might not like, they might, for ex let's give an easy example. Somebody prays, but in their heart they're showing off. That's one easy example. 
So that person is doing the actions which are good, but their heart is not, is not there. But there's something else you can learn from this, which is that if you are doing good things, or if you're doing bad, let's give a simple example. If you're doing bad things, where's the beginning of the problem? Where does the problem start? If you're doing something bad on the outside, where did the problem start? Bad stuff in here Yeah If there's bad stuff in here in your heart Then it's going to make you do bad stuff on the outside And if you want to be a good person You can't just be a good person on the outside You have to be a good person On the inside And you can't just be a good person on the inside either You have to be a good person on the Outside as well So one of the things we learn from this hadith is that we have to take it really serious that we are a good person inside and outside, both. We can't be a person who's good on the outside and bad on the inside, like the munafiq, the hypocrite, who does good things on the outside, but on the inside there's nothing good. And we can't be people who have good things on the inside, but they don't show anything good on the outside. Because this hadith tells us that if your heart is right, your whole body will be right. So that means if you correct what's inside, you're also going to correct what's outside as well. Did that make sense what I said? Yeah. Very good. Now we've got time for three questions. For, no, three questions. No, no, no. Go on. He put his hand down so you three can keep it up. You three, four. Okay, khas. That's the end. Four. And then I'm going to, inshallah, take some questions. I don't know. We got anyone questions today on Telegram? If we have questions on Telegram, we take it as well. So let's start with Abdurrahman. Okay, so let's make it more general. What about if you're Muslim and you do a really bad thing? Okay? Like you said robbing a bank, but let's just say like, for example, you're Muslim and you do anything really, really bad. What does that mean? It means that you deserve for something bad to happen to you. Allah might make that bad thing happen and he might forgive you. But if you don't ask Allah to forgive you and change what you're doing, then maybe something very bad will happen to you even if you're a Muslim. Yeah? Even if you're a Muslim. But Allah can forgive. Sometimes people do very bad things and Allah forgives them even when they didn't feel sorry for it. Yeah? So if you do something bad, I'm going to give you two things you should do. If you do something bad, two things you should do. The first is you should ask Allah to forgive you. How do you ask Allah to forgive you? Who knows how to say, Allah forgive me? Astaghfirullah. Very good. Astaghfirullah. That's the first thing. And the second thing you should do is, do something good to make up for it. So for example, I'll give you an example of a bad thing people do at your age. They don't listen to their mom and dad. And not listening to your mom and dad is a very, very bad thing. It's a major sin. As long as they told you what they told you to do is not haram. And if they told you what they told you is halal, it's a big, big sin. It's worse than some of the really big sins. And it's among the worst of the things you can do is not listening to your mom and dad. So now let's say, for example, one of you, because you're human beings, you didn't listen to your mom and dad. The first thing you have to do is istighfar, astaghfirullah. The second thing you have to do is what? Make up for it. How are you going to make up for it? Go and say sorry, go and listen, go and do what your mom and dad told you to do. Yeah? Make up for it. 
So two things, astaghfirullah and then make up for what you did that was wrong. Yes, Habib. Can, um, can shaitan turn, turn, uh, turn himself in Muslim? No. Shaitan had a chance. Allah gave, if we talk about Iblis, Iblis who is the head of shaitan, like the main shaitan, the big shaitan, Iblis had a chance. He had a chance. But he didn't take that chance. Iblis used to live with the angels. He used to live with the angels. And he used to worship the angels. He worshiped Allah with the angels, sorry. He used to worship Allah with the angels. And Allah told the angels to bow to Adam. And Iblis, he told him as well to bow. And he didn't bow. And he refused. And he said that he was not going to listen to Allah. And then since that day, Allah didn't. Uh, Allah made him like he is. And Allah told us he's not going to go back. He's not going to go back to how he was. Before. Does that, did that answer your question? Good. Yes, sir. Uh, wasn't uh, Sayyidina Muhammad when he was small? Uh, came down to him and like, washed his heart because there was starting to, like, just a little bit of bad in his heart. That's very true. That's a very good point. The Prophet وسلم, was the best of all of us, right? He was the best one out of all of us, right? Agreed? Prophet ﷺ was the best person. Agreed? What happened to him when he was small is Jibreel ﷺ came and he took his heart out. He took open his chest and he took out his heart and he took out the bad part. He took out a piece from it. And he said, this is shaitan's part. And this is this part. It's the bad part from the shaitan. He took it out and he cleaned his heart in with what? What did he clean it with? Zamzam water. Mm -hmm. Put your hand up Zamzam water And uh, he put his heart back in You're right And that's why the Prophet ﷺ, He never had anything Nothing uh, bad in, in his heart at all Everybody else has a little bit of something bad in their heart Okay, do we have any questions on Telegram? Is there an ayah in the Qur'an that says that if you do something and you're addicted to it, it's haram? Not like that, not with those exact words. But there is, for example, uh, just because something you're addicted, you could be addicted to something good. Like you could be addicted to reading the Qur'an or something. Like I just, I want to read the Qur'an every single day and every time I finish reading, I just want to read some more. But definitely, generally speaking, like if you're being addicted to something, even if it's halal, is not usually a good idea. If it's not something which Allah told you to do. But I don't know of an ayah that, that says exactly like that. There's an ayah. That if you stop your, yourself from what you, what, what you want, then Jannah will be your destination. So sometimes, yes, you can stop yourself from what you Love too much of do, doing it too much, you can stop yourself from that. No, all the prophets were shepherds of sheep. All the prophets, at some time in their life, they were shepherds of sheep at some point in their life. 
that's what I know the hadith to mean Allah knows best yeah. That they were all at some point in their life Or they took a job of being a shepherd at some point in their life Because that taught them how to guide people nah. They were never owners of camels Because what happens when you own camels Generally, what, when you own camels, what do you think you become like? What kind of personality do you... What do you have to be with camels, Yanni? You can be like sheep, gentle, soft. What do you think? You have to be rough and tough to, to, to keep camels, right? So camels are rough animals, Yanni. They're not easy. They're very beautiful animals, but they're rough animals. You have to be rough and tough with them. You have to be a strong person. You have to be a bit harsh. And so the prophets didn't keep camels. Because they didn't want to be people who were a little bit harsh and tough. They wanted to be people who were soft and gentle. By the mercy of Allah, you were gentle with them. Yes, Habib. It's true, not everyone who is Imam maybe knows the answer to all the questions. That's true. Even, even anyone, even if the Imam knows a lot, it doesn't mean he knows the answer to every question, right? Not everybody knows the answer, only, only a prophet knows the answer to every single question. And even the Prophet Muhammad ﷺ, when he was asked many times, he didn't answer until Allah gave him the, the answer. And he, so even the, even the prophets, they, they didn't answer every single question. And sometimes they said, wait until Allah gives us the answer. Yes, Ammar. Okay. There's a mosque around, but it's not like your type of Muslim mosque, like it's either like Sufi or something. Okay. Okay. You, uh, I'm going to answer your question, Ammar. Very beautiful question. So, Ammar said the prayer time comes, and I'm just going to make it more general, okay? The prayer time comes, and there's a mosque which is not your usual mosque. Okay? How do you know if it's okay to pray? Or not okay to pray Okay So there are Generally you can pray in any masjid Like that you find But there are a couple of times You can't pray in a masjid Okay You can't pray somewhere That was not built for the sake of Allah So for example If the masjid was like in the time of the Prophet ﷺ, the hypocrites, they built a masjid and they didn't want it for Allah. They wanted to make people go away from Islam. So they made that masjid to make people go away from Islam. And that masjid, Allah said about it, لا تقوم فيه أبدا. Don't ever stand and pray in it. Yeah? So that's a masjid you're not allowed to pray in. And you're not allowed to pray in a masjid where the people in that masjid are doing things which take them outside of Islam. Like the imam is doing something that takes him out of being a Muslim. For example, if there's a masjid and that masjid has a grave in it and the people, they pray to the person in the grave or they, you know, they, they pray to them, then you're not allowed to pray in that masjid. But if there's a masjid where people do things that are wrong, but those wrong things don't take them out of Islam, you can pray in it occasionally if you don't find anywhere else to pray. But it's better you pray in a masjid where people practice Islam properly. So then we had three masajid, right? There's a masjid where people practice Islam properly and you should always try and pray there. 
and there's a masjid where people are doing things that take them out of Islam and you should never pray there. And there's a masjid where people are doing things that are wrong, but those wrong things don't take them out of Islam. And there you can pray if you don't have a choice, if you don't find anywhere else to pray. Now, you ask about specific places that you have to ask each place to the person who knows about it, right? فَاسْأَلُوا أَهْلَ الذِّكْرِ إِن كُنْتُمْ لَا تَعْلَمُونَ If you don't know the answer, you have to ask somebody. But those are the three types of masjid. You've got a masjid where people are practicing Islam the right way, a masjid where people are practicing Islam in a way that takes them out of Islam, and a masjid where people are doing wrong things, but it's not, it's not that bad. So you should always try and pray in the first one, should never pray in the second one and the third one. If you have no choice, you can pray there. Okay. Yes, Sam. Okay. Oh, that's a good question. Used to be a church. Very good. Beautiful. So this is a, Sam asked a, a question. Wow, you, you, I thought you were going to ask me a question I didn't want to answer. And then you asked me such a good question. He said, what about a masjid that used to be a church? So it used to be a church and then it got converted into a masjid. Are we allowed to pray there? So the answer is simple. Yes, we're allowed to pray there because it's been converted into a masjid. But the people who own the masjid, they have to remove the signs and symbols that are for, that, for Christians, right? Like they have to remove the cross. They have to remove the pictures of that person they think is Isa, but is not Isa, salam, because Isa didn't look like that. The, you've seen the pictures they draw like, and they say this is Jesus. Yeah, he didn't look like that. Because quite simply, he was from Bani Israel, right? And Bani Israel, any of those people don't, don't like, they didn't look like they draw him in that picture. At all They have to take those pictures away And they have to take away the crosses Or they have to cover them at least Best they can do Because sometimes you cannot get rid of it And sometimes the, there's one big cross That's holding up the ceiling for example So they, they try to like cut it away Or break it or make it into a different shape Or something like that So yes you can pray in a masjid That has been converted from a church As long as they took out the pictures And the crosses from it as best they could. Sometimes there's one problem, like for example, some of the churches, the government doesn't let you take the, the cross off the top because it's protected by law. So what they can do is they can just like cover it or change it somehow. Yani. Like they could put something over the top of it or they could like, because sometimes they're not allowed yani, to, to change it. Yani. They said it's so, so old, it's like a historical thing. Yani. You're not allowed to change it. So they can do the best they're allowed to do. Maybe they could remove it and just, you know, they, they can give it to those people to do something with it. But yeah, th that's sometimes the case. Okay, I'm going to choose. You had a lot of questions today. Allah bless you. I'm going to last one for you because you, you didn't. And then I, that's it. We are done for now. Because otherwise your parents are going to be asking, how long does this class go on for? Yes. Yes, that's true. That Isa is going to come back to life. It does say so in the Quran and in the Sunnah. That he's going to come back to life uh, In more than one place in the Quran I'm trying to think of the ayah in Surah Maryam uh, 
والسلام علي يوم ولدت ويوم أموت ويوم أبعث حيا صح؟ That the, the, that the day that Isa will be Isa is going to come back yeah. This is the, that Isa will be sent back to the will be sent back yeah. Also uh, the statement of Allah Azza wa Jal وَإِذْ قَالَ اللَّهُ يَا عِيسَى إِنِّي مُتَوَفِّيكَ وَرَافِعُكَ إِلَيَّ وَمُطَهِّرُكَ مِنَ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا That, O oh Isa, I'm going to cause you now here to, and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will cause him not to die because he didn't die here. But Allah will raise Isa up to him and then he will come back. And that he's going to come back again. And there are more than one ayah like that, but the hadith explains clearly. So it's true. And that's a long story. I think we said we were going to do that as the next story, didn't we? You reminded me because I did say to you that we were going to. I did say to you we were going to do the story of the end of times and what's going to happen when the world is about to end. Yeah. So we're going to do the signs of the hour. I promised I would do that next time for you. So we'll we'll start that next week, inshallah. Okay, guys. Jazakumullahu khairan. Do we have? Oh, we have a question from someone who never asked me a question yet. You always get allowed to ask questions. If you never ask me a question yet, I always take a question. Yes, Habib, tafadhal. Um, when are we going to pray? Maghrib is in half a fourth. Oh, but uh, that, uh, okay. Okay, so when are we going to learn how to pray? I think we already did how to pray with the kids, right? For me. So maybe your other teacher, your other teacher, Ustad Basak, he's going to teach you how to pray when his turn comes for the class. Okay? Because we already did that with our class like before, but not all of you were there. Did we have any more from the telegram? Okay, inshallah. Then in that case, we're going to stop there. Next class, we're going to start our topic of the signs. Sit, 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 sit. Where are you going? Sit, sit, sit. I'll tell you when the class dismissed. We're going to do the signs of the Day of Judgment. So we're going to learn about what is it that's going to happen before the world will will end yeah you guys wanted to do that okay so we're going to do that inshallah next class and that's what allah made easy for me to mention and allah knows best was salatu was salam ala nabi muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in you guys can go now